0: Thank you, friends, for joining me again for a new episode. As many of you have noticed, the name of the podcast has changed. Um, This unfortunately had to be so because there was another podcast using almost the same name. So going forward, the podcast will be called Sitting Askew. The project remains the same, same goals, same intentions. In this episode, my friend Sos and I discuss some of the problems that we see with Armenian identity, particularly within the diaspora. We take a critical approach, not out of any intended malice, but with the intention of pointing out some of the glaring inconsistencies and issues. Welcome to Sitting Askew. This is where we discuss news from Armenia, Azerbaijan, Turkey, and the wider region from an honest, critical, and historically comprehensive perspective. We challenge issues that are ignored, abused, and manipulated by nationalist narratives. This is the place where we say, Let's sit askew, speak straight. Let's sit, let's talk, let's talk. Today's episode is going to be about a critical perspective on Armenian nationalism and Armenian identity. I'm joined by my friend. Um, would you like to introduce yourself, a fellow Armenian?
1: Yes. Hello. Um, my my name is Sos Pagramian. And um, yeah, I am a teacher and former academic, who who uh, you know just dropped off the ap- academic radar.
0: <laughs> That's perfect because uh, in my introductory uh, second episode, I mentioned that I'm not specifically looking for academics, but oh, um, occasionally I will have people who are near academics or academics themselves, and you mm-hmm. fit you fit the model perfectly. So I'm I'm glad well, to have you.
1: <laughs> I'm glad to be here. Thanks.
0: So we'll begin our topic by discussing some of our um, our relations with Armenian identity, um, how we, uh, within our lifetime, came to view it in a more critical light, what are some of the things and tendencies we notice that um, irritate us, that we find really atrocious on the Armenian side, and we're not afraid to speak on it. Um, this is... The exact point of this podcast to speak on things honestly, clearly, without fear of um, any kind of repercussion or bad image or whatever. The point is to air the dirty laundry and um, hope that sunlight kind of disinfects some of these things that we are noticing. Um, Both you and I, uh, we grew up abroad. We grew up outside of Armenia, but nonetheless, we grew up in an Armenian community um and you lived in armenia for a few number of years i've been to armenia and stayed there for long periods of time myself in my adult life so we have uh, exposure to both we have exposure to the diaspora community as well as uh, armenia the republic and the people within um what do you what do you think is some of the, uh, most glaring aspects of Armenian identity and, um, how do you, how do you critique that?
1: Yeah, for, for me, the, the, the part of Armenian identity that I couldn't connect with in my sort of like lifetime was the, uh, flag waving nationalistic component of it. The, um, so, you know, just from my own experience and background, I was born in Armenia, but uh, uh, I moved to the U.S. when I was five. So uh, just like just like you, I have a one-foot-in, one-foot-out relationship with uh, uh, Armenian society and Armenian culture. And even my family, like I was born in Armenia, but uh, my family is from Iran. They moved... To Armenia in the late 70s. So, they too, their whole experience in Armenia was one of immigrants. So, even being an Armenian from Armenia, uh, there's also the background of that kind of outsider status, having that immigrant relationship, even with Armenia itself, from the very beginning. And um, so, I always just personally felt I I didn't get it. I didn't get why people were so nationalistic, because I think from the very beginning, uh, I was outside of that uh, conversation. And my parents themselves um, never uh, pushed any kind of uh, nationalism or be proud that you're Armenian uh, onto, onto any of their kids. My brother and sister are also not very nationalistic. So it just wasn't the water I swam in. And... Uh yeah, I just always it was always very off-putting this kind of like this this patriotism, this chauvinism, this nationalism, the the kind of implied language, if not outwardly out-and-out out, said out loud, that Armenians are better than other people, that we're somehow more precious or special or something like that. It was always kind of it always rubbed me the wrong way. And uh, yeah, I think that's that's the part of it that I'm most critical of.
0: Yeah, very well said. I also never identified with the type of flag waving uh, obsession, the draping your entire vehicle with the tricolor of the Armenian (laughs) flag uh, on the uh, Armenian Genocide Day, which is supposed to be a day of mourning and commemoration and things like that. I just never ever appealed to me, although I saw everybody uh, around me participating in things like that. Um, I'm glad you mentioned the, uh, the immigrant experience. I mean, that, that itself is very Armenian. I, for the last thousand years, um, Armenians have been dispersed in all sorts of uh, regions of the world. Um, historically speaking, that doesn't make you any less Armenian, that makes you quite Armenian. So, what's what's a topic that you think among Armenians that goes unsaid that you think should be spoken about
1: here? Well, it's the um, it is that critical approach to nationalism that that is that rarely comes up because Armenians are sort of it seems part of our. Uh, uh, part of our national narrative is that we're, we're always on the defensive since the genocide and, and there's no room for criticism. There's not much tolerance for it, not much openness to it. And, um, and anytime I've been critical of Armenianness or Armenian identity around fellow armenians or most of the time it's not it's been met with discomfort you know uh or or that sort of even even when people agree they don't fully agree or something like that something's holding them back and uh so that 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 to me is the um uh, uh, sort of okay.
0: Uh, I'm glad you mentioned that. So <clears throat> we we speak often, you and I, about this topic, and I've spoken to many other Armenians as well. Um, particularly, what I mean is the uh, the uh, attachment that Armenians have in terms of their identity to the Armenian genocide. The yeah, yeah. Armenian genocide has defined how individuals relate to being Armenian. Armenians are the people who suffered the genocide and they are continuing to suffer the genocide. The genocide is is viewed as a perpetual process. And as you said, that makes them think of Armenians as perpetual victims. They are always the victims. They are always at the mercy of foreign powers, of big powers, of neighboring evil peoples and, you know, and so forth. Um, And never is the notion that Armenians have agency over their own actions, Armenians have agency over their own fate, ever considered. And Mm. it's completely inappropriate for a nation that has a nation-state to wrap its identity around this kind of idea. To have a nation-state and believe that you don't actually have a power, that you don't actually... Control anything is extremely dangerous. First and foremost, it's very dangerous for the people that live within that nation state. All of a sudden, the the any kind of crime, any kind of violation, any kind of persecution that the state enacts on uh, individuals within its territory, within its uh, its state, um, uh, never happened. It, that just that's not a thing because. Armenians and the nation-state of Armenia are always the victims. They can never victimize others. Um, The writer Ara Baliozian always talked about this, and this is just a shout-out to anybody interested uh, at a uh, very self-critical view and perspective on Armenian identity. Um, Writers like Ara Baliozian are, are definitely the way to go on that. And Armenians have much that needs to be criticized from within. Um, and and now uh, and now when we have the Karabakh issue, right? That is the the conflict, the the ongoing war, the ongoing issue that is at the heart of the uh, the catastrophe that exists in Armenia right now, the chaos. And till this day, Armenians don't recognize their own actions, their own. Um, their yeah. own, I don't want to use the word fault, but their own uh, miscalculations and missteps that escalated that conflict, made it the destructive event that it was, you know, 20-something years ago, 26 years ago, and repeated that same process, that same process last year. How do you feel about well, that in terms of... um the self-victimization narrative among Armenians, and mm-hmm. if you can tie that to what we are viewing now and how Armenians are still, to this day, incapable of understanding their own missteps and misdeeds when it came to that conflict.
1: Well, this is sort of uh, the the recent events in Armenia, the border crisis that's going on right, right now, and, um, and and of course the war with, uh, Azerbaijan that ended in Armenia's defeat, they stoke nationalistic sentiment within Armenia itself and in the diaspora. So they, that historic event makes nationalism, I think, very important to talk about right now as Armenians. And one of the things that nationalism does is exactly what you just described. It papers over your own responsibility for your faith as a country, as a people, as a nation. Because nationalism, it's uh, it's not critical of the nation; it champions the nation. It only highlights the what they imagine are the good parts, right? And it's not even that that's almost presenting it to. Rationally, because nationalism is about feeling, and it's about uh, how a group of people feel about their nation, and and what enjoyment they can get out of their nationalism, and uh, and of course, a large part of Armenia's enjoyment in nationalism is sort of you know hating the other, hating the Turk, uh, and, uh, and and that has just gone into overdrive since uh, the war with azerbaijan and this border crisis there is no self critical perspective that i can I'm not, i don't know every every source you know news source in armenian media obviously but there is no national or diasporan conversation that sort of says well what could we have done different where do our responsibilities lie uh uh that is something i think is really important to talk about especially fresh after the event when memories are, of what actually happened in that war are most clear uh before they get distorted by uh by uh uh by sort of narrative uh by sort of uh, uh just time passing on and sort of history uh leaving uh, all these important stories out it's the, the time to be critical i think is now and uh uh so does that answer your question? Sorry, that was a bit meandering, but I was trying to tie a few things in together. Sure, of course
0: it answers the question. And, and I like how you pointed out um, about what Armenia could have done differently when it came to the war. Um, mm. One glaring obvious fact that is often ignored uh, by Armenians is the fact that That the uh, military of Artsakh, the military of Armenia, Armenian militants have committed crimes against civilians, against civilian infrastructure, against civilian settlements. This is something that is unfathomable to most Armenians. They can never imagine that we would be capable of that because again, they follow the idea that we are the perpetual victim, specifically to the Turk, and we couldn't have done that. Or sometimes they'll use the argument that it was all um, it was all acceptable because they did that's it right. to us first. That, they did it to us. I think us that's more. That's
1: what most Armenians say. Yeah. They don't deny it. They're like, it no. Was, it there was are people who it, deny but, it.
0: No, there are people who oh, that, straight out true, say okay, never happened. Different.
1: You're right. <laughs> that never happened. you can't. You're right. But he, he, like the 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 version that's sort of. I think more interesting and a bit more insidious to me is the ones who say um, like, you know, yeah. yes, it did happen, but it was necessary. We had, yeah. like you said, we had no other choice yeah. or that was so unfortunate, but understandable. somehow. questions we're are asked
0: England. about why the sure. cities of Ardam, the cities of Fizuli and so forth were completely razed to the ground because that's what they were. Um, any kind of image from those cities makes it very clear what happened there. They were raised to the ground. And why was this done and who did it? It didn't happen out of thin air. Armenians were involved, both directly because they bombed the hell those cities and destroyed as much as they could. And furthermore, just the last uh, 25 years of neglect, I'm sure, contributed as well as nature starts to reclaim some of these uh, buildings. But, um, But it's a fact. It's a fact that on the Azerbaijani side, they clearly see that it was Armenia and Armenians that destroyed civilian cities and razed them to the ground. Now, you will never hear Armenians discussing this issue. Rarely will you hear any Armenian admit that it happened, but even when they do... It's always in the light of, oh, yeah, well, what about this and that? Oh, yeah, well, what about Sumgayit and Baku? What about the countless, yeah, yeah, the Mm whataboutism? The countless villages and the countless cities that were destroyed in Ottoman Turkey. All of which happened and all of which, you know, they, they do, you know, overshadow the few settlements that Armenians destroyed In the Garabagh War, but nonetheless, we are talking about things that are more contemporary. We are talking about things that happened uh, in the current generation. People alive today participated in that. People alive today suffered from that. So we can speak about, you know, the thousands of villages that were destroyed in the Armenian genocide. But most of the people that committed that act and suffered from it have passed away. They are no longer alive. Whereas the actions of Armenia resonate to people who are alive today. And they informed the war that Azerbaijan led against uh, Nagorno-Karabakh in Armenia, in Artsakh. Uh, the, yeah. the war was informed by images of all of that destruction. It was informed of atrocities committed by Armenians. It was no one else and the most infuriating thing i often hear is the claim that they did it to themselves again this exists on on both sides but mm. the idea that um the atrocities committed at places like you know Khojali were committed by other azerbaijanis on themselves it's just
1: right. foolish
0: ridiculous i mean
1: just look at just look at that caricature of of turks you know look at how hate-filled that is that people just very casually without thinking imagine that there's another group of people out there that would murder each other and themselves just to make armenians look bad i mean what an absurd thought to have but they would rather they that emotionally again this isn't the rational thing i think that feeds a kind of feeling that feels better than uh than to say uh wow you know we we did do uh, uh, Armenians did do things that are uh, uh, that that need to be accounted for and are obvious uh, atrocities in their own right i mean there is no uh, of course atrocities uh uh were committed by azerbaijan and uh, but it's also you, like Armenians are not part of Azeri culture. Uh, uh, They're part of Armenian culture. And it's like, well, what about our atrocities and and the ones that we're committing? Yeah, Yeah, that's a a
0: topic we speak very often of, that yes, we can criticize uh, a group of people that we are not part of, but it's more valuable to be accountable for the group that you are a part of. And you and I, being Armenians, we find it more valuable and more important for us to discuss our missteps, our right. crimes, than discussing uh, all the time the crimes of the other side. Now, I personally never censor myself, and I'm completely—I—I I, I feel free enough to speak crimes as they exist anywhere, whether it is my side or not. But nonetheless, I don't hide, I don't obscure the crimes when they do occur on the Armenian side. I do speak about them truthfully and definitely you know I know that you do as well
1: go yeah. ahead and 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 the the reverberations of of sort of this this kind of position that Armenians are taking this more nationalistic more xenophobic position right against against their neighbors against Azerbaijan and against Turkey uh sort of reverberates and 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 has its own manifestations in the diaspora where we live You know, it's um, so, uh, uh, for example, when the when the war uh, started in Asak, a lot of uh, a lot of Armenians who living in Southern California, who had no real interest uh, uh, in Armenian politics, you know, uh, uh, suddenly became awake to to the crisis happening because of this war. And, and there was uh, the flag waving began, as we mentioned earlier, and, and a lot of sort of images that were very jarring, like, um, you know, um, uh, um, the awesomes-off strong stickers that that had guns like AK-47s with like, uh, you know, fists and, and things like that. These kind of um, uh, uh, sort of like that, those kind of uh, images started to pop up. Even in the diaspora, you know, people were putting it on their cars and driving around, and, and 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 doing demonstrations on the street. It was such a. I mean, I still don't really quite know what to make of that phenomenon. So, like this, mm-hmm. if I, I
0: if I can explain it a little bit again, I'm not justifying the actions of some mm-hmm. of these people. I I find most of these uh, displays. Uh, nothing more than that, just posturing and displays. It's completely mm. worthless. If they were more concerned about the conflict, they would have been more actively involved in putting stickers on their cars and flag waving mm-hmm. all over the place. But <clears throat> the the image of the AK-47 is a very important one, and I'm glad you mentioned that. That's, that's, that hinges on the idea of fighting some kind of uh, imperial force Fighting some kind of colonizer, some kind of imperialist. It goes back, goes back very far into the Cold War. It's the idea of um, resisting against some kind of overwhelming, you know, uh, imperial entity. And where do Armenians see an imperial entity? And that's that's what I wanted to get to um, in, in this discussion. The, the war is in the diaspora. People were not viewing a war between Armenia and Azerbaijan. They were seeing a war between Armenia and Turkey. And that's You're not right. to say Turkey was not involved. Turkey was very much involved in that war. Um, not as much as Armenians often claim. But nonetheless, it was a pretty significant and shocking. It was, you know, this didn't happen in the first war. Um, but it was very shocking to see that Turkey was involved. However, Armenians um, made Turkey the central actor, and it's very clear why they would do this. This goes back again to what we just discussed, that Armenians are in a perpetual war with the perpetrators of the genocide, that being Ottoman Turkey, and they view this war even in the context of the Armenian genocide. I often write about this and I often speak about this, but the Armenian genocide was directly tied with the beginning of the war itself. Armenians having allowed that, uh, that genocide to define their identity were in constant fear of Nagorno Karabakh becoming another genocide.
1: Well, even just let's pause there for a moment this is this is really um i think so important for like the messaging of the of the of the war on on the armenian side cuz when you uh, and 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 you know Pashinyan i think it, at least he didn't do anything to correct this message you know i don't know how much he was promoting the idea of you know genocide number 2 is going on but that kind of when that alarm button is hit is hit within a, a culture that there I think that's that's directly related to all the things that you mentioned earlier that Armenians aren't addressing and are kind of forgetting the the leveling of the cities that the Armenian military was responsible for right uh, and 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 um, sort of that kind of uh, i think those two things are 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 deeply sort of intertwined one one justifies the other you know uh uh as far as the the uh that kind of attitude towards the war and and sort of uh against against uh you know this is a war against the turks where we're, you know suffering a genocide therefore everything we do is in self defense Anything that happens is a justifiable action, no matter how horrible it is, because it's done from the position, the perceived perci- position, anyway, of this is another genocide going on. Whereas if you look at the actual realities on the ground, as atrocious as they were, this is not a genocide happening. You know, if you, it wasn't, it just isn't by, <laughs> it just isn't by definition. It's. it's I would it's use a, a very war.
0: strong word and say, it was an ethnic cleansing. I would I would go that far because there's no doubt that the regions of Hadrut and Shushi were ethnically cleansed. There is no doubt about that. But I was also going to say what is also true is that Armenia dropped bombs on actual towns and cities that were civilian towns within Azerbaijan. Initially they denied it ever happened. Then they claimed, no, we were hitting military targets. Then when we got a lot of the video and photographic evidence, it just became undeniable what Armenia actually did. Mm. Armenia dropped bombs on Why? actual neighborhoods where people as, lived.
1: As far as... um strategy goes what do you think the reason what was this was there a strategic purpose i mean that was a conscious choice that the armenian military made and to what end was it just to punish the other side or was there was there something else they were hoping for uh in that kind of thing
0: they they have this mentality on both sides on both sides that they could scare the other side into better behavior That they can so frighten the other side that the other side reconsiders their offensive actions. Armenians do this and Azerbaijanis do this. So the idea was that we make this war so out of control. We start, you know, we start making it expand to other areas of Azerbaijan that they reconsider what they're doing in terms of this war and and stop it and kind of uh, return to the negotiating table. I believe that's the idea. Much of it also comes out of emotional uh, emotional stuff. I mean, emotionally, it they just feel like they're so afraid of what is coming with the Azerbaijani advance. They want to strike a low blow to Azerbaijan to um, in some way cease that advance. I I don't I don't know how else to think of it other than we are in a corner and we're so afraid that we're just going to you know recklessly attack civilian towns now yeah. and and make this war much more and, destructive on your side because you're destroying everything on our side you're not well, feeling some of this pain yeah. so here yeah. feel some of this pain and you know reconsider
1: right. the um yeah and and I think that's the, again that's directly linked to um you know uh uh at least presenting this war as a kind of continuation of the genocide right it, again it justifies that kind of act, cause, uh uh if if uh, uh, it, it, it's it's i i mean those two things in my mind are so are so linked and 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 to that that's the and and that was the um one of the most interesting things that sort of, again, happened in the diaspora, we talked about this, uh, as as the war was going on, as nationalism was rising, you would have, uh, you know, there's a lot of Armenian grocery stores in, uh, in, in uh, uh, Southern California, and a lot of them started to put up those, you know, big flags, no Turkish products sold here. They started to, like, boycott Turkish products, and there was this, like, just anti-Turk sentiment um, that, that you know, uh, and, and we talked about this before, how these Armenian shops would have, you know, Turks living in L.A. Uh, go to these shops and they shop there and they got their ingredients for their meals from Armenian shops because it was one of the few places you can go to, if you're a Turk, to get those ingredients, right? If there isn't like a Turkish grocery store or something like that but um it it was that kind of uh, even within the diaspora there was a blind spot you know like there you are alienating your own customers your own neighbors who are uh who are turkish and you don't even know that you know
0: i it's um i personally am uh very outraged at the turkish participation in that war um i am Quite opposed to the Turkish military-industrial complex, which is very active and very destructive, has been at least for the last two decades, but further back as well, um, going you know even to the Cyprus war and so forth. Um, so all of that, I completely sympathize with. I completely understand, right? The idea that this the state is acting very destructively. And you want to not participate in their economy. You want to boycott them. You want to send a message that you need to get your act together or your products will not be sold here. I understand that. I, um, I completely get that. But at the same time, there's a lot of nuance that is glossed over. Um, some of these product manufacturers might actually themselves be opposed to to what the Turkish military is doing, to what the Turkish government is doing. And that nuance is being discarded. Like, it doesn't matter. They're Turkish. They're being labeled as Turkish, and they are being subjected to boycott. And that's really unfortunate. That's one thing. Uh, The other thing that you mentioned, uh, although I don't know, know how significant it is, but, yeah, there are some Turkish people who did shop at... Um, Armenian groceries where we live and that actually helped to soften their own tone about what Armenians are and who Armenians are and they were interacting with Armenians getting to know Armenians better and all of a sudden seeing all those placards of no Turkish products kind of put them you know took them aback as to well okay maybe these people are just Anti-Turkish period, and I'm not welcomed at these stores or whatever. That's unfortunate, um, but I still say that I, I understand the intent of these boycotts. It was it was very unacceptable what Turkey did in the war. It was very directly involved in that war, you know, from its Bayraktar drones that were instrumental in picking apart the Armenian military and and posts and positions. To the active, you know, political and r- rhetorical support that Erdogan was giving to um, mm-hmm. the war, Turkey does have a lot to answer for. Mm-hmm. Um, the The question is how it answers for it and what it answers for. And I believe that a lot of Armenians aren't directly asking Turkey to answer for the war, but they're all they are also lumping in there their. their You know, full time, ever existent hatred of anything Mm -hmm. and everything having to do with Turkey, Mm -hmm. and that's what I think you, you and I stand against. I don't want to say that I stand against the boycott itself. It's not that I condone Turkey's actions, you know, in the Karabakh war, not at all. But you know, I, I still understand that what Armenians oppose about Turkey isn't exactly the same as what I oppose about Turkey. I can't speak for you, but what I oppose about what Turkey did in this war.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: Now um, let's kind of delve into another topic that we, we have wanted to talk about um, in terms of how Armenians in the diaspora a kind of view you know with their own lenses uh, the war in garabagh issues related to armenia and so forth well mm. how do you feel about some of the uh leftist thought in armenian diaspora circles how people we spoke about the nationalists right we spoke about yeah. People who are on the right, they're gung-ho, flag-wavers, you know, Armenian can do no wrong, that kind of deal. But we also have a contingent of people who are uh, uh, allied with, work within, advocate for the leftist political uh, spectrum of the United States. And the way they view... Uh, the the Garabagh War and issues related to Armenia, you and I find very shocking, and dare I say, quite perverse.
1: Yeah, I it's 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 shocking, but it also, in a way, it's not shocking because it mirrors so much of what's going on in American politics and Europe too. Uh, and here's what I mean: what you just, I I want to make a further distinction between the nationalists and the left, uh, uh, I, it's, it's rather the nationalists and liberal Armenians. So uh, n- not the left, but moderate liberal uh, uh, you know, uh, Armenians who are, who are woke in, in many ways and imagine themselves progressive. But just like American li- liberals, when it came to the Iraq war, just like american liberals when it came to the vietnam war when it comes to the war in artsakh these armenians their nationalism turns up and i think it's because they are liberal and not leftist that's exactly one of the things they were you know again these were the, the these were the well-intentioned uh sort of uh of sort of you know voices within the uh, armenian community who grow who grew up in uh in the in the diaspora went to american universities uh learned you know what it, you know many of them i mean so many armenians are are uh, are uh, uh in my mind uh pro-capitalist and and and, and pretty much right wing and and uh they or uh, uh their their voices started to show the nationalistic side that had been silent for for so long and 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 one of the things that that made clear once war broke out all these well-intentioned well-meaning liberals suddenly showed their turkish hating side and 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 how we need to you know throw all our weight behind this war uh as as armenians no matter where we live um it was kind of, it just, uh, I think it goes hand in hand with liberalism everywhere. And it shows to me how there is no Armenian left, at least not that I can see. If anyone out there is listening, if there is any actual leftist Armenian groups, not, not liberal, not woke, but leftist, people who are against capitalism, who, are, who identify as socialists, and, and sort of want a kind of uh, uh, international solidarity, uh, not, not just identity politics. Um, that's the thing that I think this war showed is lacking in, 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 in Armenian society, both within Armenia and abroad. The, they, uh, it was right-wing nationalists and moderate liberals that, were, that all kind of united under the war effort. And, and that kind of, again, parallels what happened in, 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 in American politics, too. Liberals are very pro-war here. So I think that's, that's, that was the thing that was shown. Who, what, what side, when push comes to shove, uh, do you, uh, uh, it's easy to, you know, um, to, to sort of always say uh, uh, that you are, that you have these, like, I'm thinking of, like, liberal values. Right, sort of um, uh, the 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 values of like I don't know tolerance or something like that, and, and accepting of difference and all of that. Uh, it, it all went out the window when it came to uh, Turks and and uh, Azeri Turks, and uh, the, and and that's what liberals do all the time. They they uh, side with militarism instead of radical pacifism.
0: Yeah, and here we clearly mean liberal in terms of. American liberals, that's a very specific category.
1: Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm blurring. Yeah, I'm using the, the terms that I'm, I just, when sure. I think, when I say liberal, I mean someone who is pro-capitalism. Uh-huh. They want, they don't want brutal capitalism. They want, you know, you know, we have oligarchs in Armenia. It's unfortunate, but, uh, you know, we're not really going to change anything. We're not gonna we're not gonna reimagine society here. We're just gonna tweak it. Maybe uh maybe tax them more or something like that. Yeah, that's yeah. uh I I just I, I, it's just in my mind that's most of Armenian society. There is no left. There is no yeah. uh a col- there's no group. There's no collective in Armenian society that is uh, genuinely leftist. I think they're all liberal or conservative. I yeah, think they we've... fit within that spectrum, but that's just, that's just my, my
0: perception. Yeah, I've, I've said this a lot to you, and you've agreed with me. I haven't said it on the record, so I'm going to say it now. Um, but yes, there is no Armenian left, and that has very much to do with Armenia's Soviet past. Right. Um, uh, the left is viewed in the context of a failed experiment. The Soviet experiment has failed. So anything to do with left politics, anything critical of capitalism is viewed as a failure, a going back. Even though within Armenia, many people are quite nostalgic (laughs) of the comforts that they had uh, during the Soviet Union. Nonetheless, they do not in any way connect that with having left politics. Mm -hmm. There is no party in Armenia that advocates for a left position, a leftist position. We have the right wing and we have all flavors of it, all sorts, pro-Russian right, anti-Russian right, pro-American right, anti-American right, so on and so forth. Um, We have some centrists, which I personally would classify the current prime minister and his party and alliance as being quite centrist and being the populist that they are, they are centrist in the way that, not that they always take a center position, but they kind of uh, float around the center, occasionally taking a right position, sometimes taking a slightly left position, but nowhere in any committed direction of the right or the left. And
1: and along with, they don't change the status quo. The Velvet Revolution, when it happened, just uh, there was this... It wasn't drawn out in any detail, nor should it be, right? There was an idea that Pashinyan was going to get in there and really change things from the bottom up, you know? Uh, And in my mind, what that means is get rid of the oligarchic economy within Armenia or uh, uh, start to really uh, mess with that setup, right? Transform that setup. He didn't do any of it. He kept it all intact. Uh, uh, and, and, you know, he, yeah, he, he started taxing people a little more here and there, but the, but the, the, the system itself was, was retained. And to me, that's what makes him centrist. He, -hmm. he didn't change anything fundamentally, even though there was no, there is no left in, there's no organized left in Armenia, but there is what I can identify as like a sort of like, just like in America, there's no real left, but there is a lot of uh, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of dissatisfaction with the status quo, a lot of desire to change things fundamentally, to fundamentally change our societies. Even though people uh, uh, don't organize behind uh, a leftist party, and neither in America nor in Armenia, there is that tremendous popular sentiment. And that's what Pashinyan was able to tap into and not live up to. And uh, there, so there is that kind of, there's a kind of possibility for a left. There's a lot of energy that can be harnessed by uh, a, a leftist political party or a leftist conversation within Armenian society. It just isn't there for the reasons that, that you that you pointed out earlier, I think. It's just cool. so contaminated the idea of leftism by the uh, by the Soviet past, even though people you know, life isn't so great under capitalism either. So they look back onto the parts of socialism and they're like, well, you know, that part wasn't so bad. You know? <laughs> the yeah, fact that we yeah. all had places to live, you know, wasn't so bad that you right. didn't have to pay. You know, you you weren't like a debt slave with a mortgage. Yeah. That's if you own a home or, or, or you become, you know, uh, a, a renter and, and sort of fall prey to the, you know, to the prices, rent prices of the yeah. market. Yeah.
0: And what we, you know, what we can say is the little seedlings of a left that exists in Armenia come from that American style liberal, uh, that American style liberalism of of diasporans who have gone back to Armenia and brought their politics with them, who are abroad and are often writing about Armenia and trying to organize and trying to right. um, trying to uh, affect change within Armenia. Yeah. But always through the lens of right. American styled.
1: That's right. Liberalism, which, which they don't see as patronizing. That's why they fail all the time. And they, and those people fucking suck. Like uh, when I lived in Armenia, I couldn't stand. Those uh, uh, the, that kind of diaspora, they came back to Armenia. Uh, many of them were very nationalistic, uh, much more nationalistic than your average Joe that I met in Armenia, who is from Armenia. Uh, the, and and they, you know, they're people who go back to Armenia with these nationalistic dreams of like maybe you know starting a life there and opening up a business there. And but again, it's always through. Well, we've learned the ways of the world in the West, in in, in America, and and they take this patronizing attitude towards uh, uh, towards Armenians who live in Armenia, uh, uh, and and yeah, there is this uh, a weird uh, uh, sort of top-down approach to transforming Armenia, as if as if. Uh, as if the diasporans know how to run a society any better than the Armenians do. You know they don't, and and yet there there is that kind and, and those are the and those are uh, again they're not leftists they're not trying to organize people from the bottom they're not trying to unionize Armenians they're trying to run things properly they're trying to give you the right rules to follow uh, or something like that which is which is completely ineffective politics they haven't changed anything uh uh, or or really affected very much that happens within armenia uh, because uh, i think they take that kind of top-down patronizing approach instead of something that's more grassroots more about building unions and 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 having armenians think of themselves as workers again
0: yeah i don't know if i would say that these let's call them liberals as you did these liberals are not left i i don't want to get into that argument. I know oh. you don't consider them left, mm-hmm. but I, I would say at, at the very least, you might agree that they have left-like qualities and um, as, they are often viewed. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, well, yeah.
0: that's what I'm talking about. The liberals yeah. themselves, they are they have left-like qualities, these liberals. Right. And uh, from the perspective of the right, they are viewed as nothing but the left, um, right. which, which yeah, is very exactly. unfortunate, yes. but the right views them as the left. And the same yes. is true within Armenia. In mm. Armenia's uh, the right, they are viewed as the left. They are mm. treated as very dangerous, mm. and here begins the all you know all the conspiratorial rhetoric about Soros-aligned organizations from the West, mm. from mm. the globalist you know liberal West that mm. is trying to infiltrate Armenia. Mm -hmm. And these people, these liberals that you identified and I identified, Mm -hmm. um, which have their own set of problems, are unfortunately also categorized in all sorts of ridiculous uh, conspiratorial ways by the right.
1: Did I ever tell you when I lived in Armenia, I went to one of these very meetings? I didn't know what it was, but I was invited to one. It was a bunch of like well off upper middle class Armenians in Armenia. And they were talking about, they were like, I was told like by a friend, like, oh, this is, you know, we're going to talk politics. You're a po- politically conscious guy. You want to come to this thing? It was at an art gallery. I said, sure. And as I was sitting around, I so- slowly started to realize that these are people who saw, you know, things like feminism, things like uh, uh, sort of like uh, uh, sort of um, uh, LGBT uh, Q rights as like threats to Armenian society and, and culture. Yeah. And, uh, and it was, uh, you know, I just, I didn't speak at the meeting, but it was interesting to listen to. So that really, that is a real thing. I, I saw That's that a very
0: strong strain in the post-Soviet republics. Uh, right. Russia has become quite famous with its uh, views and laws relating to, quote unquote, gay propaganda. Um, Often we hear about Georgia uh, having protests across the country Against uh, LGBT groups and various other um, uh, minority groups And Armenia is no different Armenia also has a strain uh, Quite uh, obsessed, let's use that word Obsessed with Mm -hmm. the idea that people from the West Are trying to make the country full of just gay people all over the place. They're trying to destroy our uh, traditional values. They're trying to destroy our ability to create families and reproduce and propagate ourselves all in the name of this great conspiracy of a global one government um, headed by the devil incarnate himself, George Soros.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's 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 very um, and that is a reactionary posture, you know. It's it's uh, it goes hand in hand with that right wing nationalism. It's uh, because then what's the what's the other side of that? Uh, you you close off your borders. You build a militant police state that can you know, uh, uh, that can monitor people and, and, and and beat them up if they are gay or something like that. And I mean, what's the, what's the end point of that kind of thinking? What kind of society do these people really imagine? You just described
0: many of the uh, post-Soviet republics.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they just find the way they are. That's exactly (laughs) what what it is.
0: They isolate themselves, you know, close off the borders to a certain degree, um, you know, live uh, with, you know, uh, authoritarian right. regimes who there view go. Th- threats of uh, the West infiltrating the culture and the politics of the country.
1: Well, that's what reactionaries uh, want, the status quo. You know, that's yeah. what's under threat. That is, yeah. yeah, it is. They do live in those. And, <laughs> yeah. It hasn't
0: been as bad in Armenia as some sure. of these other republics, but... Armenia has its own version of it. It's no less isolated. In fact, it's even more isolated than most other post-Soviet yes. republics because of its position and stance on everything and anything to do with Turks. Mm. The, the Turks on the west, the Turks on the east, <laughs> um, although they don't realize they also have Turks on the south and north. They just live in a non-Turkic republic. Uh, But nonetheless, uh, Armenians have this obsession with isolating themselves from everything and anything to do with Turks, and uh, that's no less a a form of extremism as these um, post-Soviet republics who want to stay away from the corrupting influence of the West.
1: Right. See that's the uh that's the other side of, you know, uh we said that Armenian identity is f- formed for better or worse by the genocide. That is the defining event in the 20th century. Uh that that's that's always, you know, in in the background of any version of an Armenian identity. And and so on the one hand it is the victim side that we talked about, but it it sort of encourages within a culture this kind of antagonistic relationship with Turks. It's as if Turks are the existential enemies of Armenians now because of the genocide. That's how I think many Armenians feel towards Turks. Now even... and forever,
0: not just now, but right. it has been so not even just 100 years ago. Yeah, when before the genocide that, occurred. yeah, they, yeah. But going as far back as a thousand years ago, with the Turkic migrations, mm. they they view uh, they view this event as the defining um, defining moment where Armenia has been on the uh, what's the word on the uh, decline. Armenia has been yeah. on the decline, right. and uh, the only remedy is to Oppose and fight and push back the Turk whenever possible. I mean, it gets so ridiculous that some of these people even believe that they are going to uh, gather Turks and send them back to Central Asia and recreate mm. some kind of a sea to sea Armenia. I, I don't right. want to. I don't even well, want to entertain that, that. Isn't that the mirror so
1: image? Good. Isn't that C to C Armenia the mirror image of Armenians greatest fear about pan turkism?
0: Absolutely well said. It's, yes, It's I, the I same always...
1: thing. They are be, they they resemble the thing that they fear the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it's like uh, uh, and there's no and there's no thinking about that. C to C Armenia, I mean on the one hand it's a silly idea it'll never happen. But but that ideology impacts the way that way of thinking impacts the way Armenians see their neighbors. Uh, and and they, vice they... versa,
0: among Turks right. as well, there's that exact same problem where when you discuss pan-Turkism, they are more focused on Armenia's attempt to create the c to c Armenia and right. the atrocities that might have been committed in the name of that. Um, right. So yes, both, both do that. Both um, are blind to their own expansionist tendencies while obsessing and focusing on the expansionist tendencies of the other the Mm -hmm. distinction i would i would here draw though is that pan-turkism has claimed much more lives than c2c armenia has um not not because of any kind of lack of desire but just the fact that uh turks have had the state apparatus of the Ottoman Empire right. and various other states to enact their expansionist and right. Pan-Turkic goals, whereas course, Armenia that, has not.
1: That's, and, and no, I mean, that, that, that's what, that's part of the story of the genocide, right? Pan-Turkism. And, and I just think it's a tragedy for Armenians that, um, that they have created this ideology that resembles Pan-Turkism so much. That, yeah. that instead of learning from the genocide and, 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 and saying, well, you know, this kind of thinking, this C to C nation state way of thinking, uh, uh, this ethno state that we want to create, maybe that's the problem, right? That thought, that, that's, that's, yeah. but that lesson has not been learned. They, they mirror the very form of thought, Pan Turkism, that, that, that caused the genocide. That's just, to me, a kind of tragedy.
0: I agree. So we wanted to talk a little bit about why both you and I are so critical of fellow Armenians, why we take such a, some would say, hostile approach um, to what we see within our community among our own people. Um, What would you say about that?
1: Yeah, that's um, like, yeah, I don't want it to seem like I'm in the you know, I'm interested in Armenian bashing or something like that, you know. It's, this is, um, I think, taking a critical stance against, uh, uh, you know, nationalism is 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 important, um, especially the kind of nationalism that we've been talking about, because it's a kind of, well, it brings up concerns, like, where are we heading as a, as a diaspora and as as a, as a community you know both in armenia and outside of it if uh, if at the center of our identity is this antagonism with our neighbors with uh, with uh, azeri turks and turks from turkey if that is at the center of armenian identity if there's no way to conceive of an armenian outside of that you know if that's at like the core of what people are emotionally invested in, that's, in my mind, that is, that's something that needs to be examined and talked about. I don't think that's a, that is all there is to being Armenian, and that shouldn't be certainly the defining uh, uh, characteristic, this kind of antagonistic uh, uh, relationship with our neighbors.
0: So, to play devil's advocate, to take the position on the other side, they would say that our people have experienced some of the greatest injustices in the last century or two. Um, Mm. These injustices can't help but define who we are and what we are. They shape the form that our nation takes in terms of being a majority diaspora nation. They uh, form the shape that our nation state takes being a small, isolated, you know, um, uh, weak economically and and physically and militarily uh, entity that it is. So it can't help to be anything other than speaking about those neighbors that they view as creating this unjust condition.
1: Well, let's let's look at some of the details of this of the, of the point you brought up, right? The um, w- when when you said like it's the it, it's it, our like our, our our relationship with our neighbors is because we're a poor country, right? One of the reasons Armenia is not as rich as it can be is because the border with Turkey has been closed to all trade for so long, and yet Armenia receives so many actual goods from Turkey that have to come through Georgia, right? And there's all of these sort of like problems that that causes, delays in delivery, uh, higher sort of uh, costs for the products when they get into Armenia, like this antagonistic relationship with Turkey, just in the, in terms of. Getting the goods Armenia needs from this neighbor that they claim to be their enemy, we buy a lot of stuff from them, <laughs> right? It's uh, uh, it, for, in Armenia. Mm-hmm.
0: What I would add is, first of all, from the from the nationalistic side, they would say that doing so allows Turkey to completely dominate our country. They exert soft power and hard power. In terms of uh, having you know, that economic leverage over us, that's one thing. Well, the second if, thing if you is, mean,
1: go ahead. Well, hang on. Let's, let, let's If you mean like just having relations with your neighbors influences you, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> like if you're gonna do trade with anybody, that's gonna that's gonna alter your society in some way, hopefully for the better.
0: The idea is their influence will be numerous times the influence we ha- would have on them because of the, the the size of their economy and the size of their country. Uh, the size well, of the their goal isn't capacity. to
1: have influence on them. The goal is to become a, a wealthier, more uh, a stable nation it's like i mean that's just i mean what, what yeah. the, the, at, the at mentality the of, of
0: the nationalist mm-hmm. is in armenia to preserve they would like to right. preserve what is armenian and they believe that would be compromised with a overly influential turkey on armenia
1: right and and that is and that kind of xenophobia and that and that is is i think not, uh, uh, it, it's something to be wary of, both as Armenians living in Armenia and as Armenians in diaspora. As uh, uh, you know, as we busy ourselves making uh, the Turk the ultimate boogeyman, you know, it's um, it's not to say that Turkey and Azerbaijan aren't doing reprehensible things. They are, but um, but this kind of constant mission to vilify uh both Turkey and Azerbaijan just will not get either the state of Armenia or Armenians in the diaspora in I think, you know, to, to any good to any good place. It'll only lead to more more splintering, more antagonism, more nationalism and more of a willingness to fight and, you know, to fight with your neighbors, I mean those I mean one way or another, the Armenians are surrounded by Turks uh to the east to the west and to the south in northern Iran as, as and to the north, north as
0: well the the regions of Georgia to the north of Armenia are mm-hmm. mostly Turkish. so as well. <laughs> uh,
1: if, if you're if you're going to define yourselves you know in opposition to all of these and you all of these people and that you're I mean, that's not that just will not lead to any good if you're always taking the position that that is the enemy rather than this is our neighbor and let's try to somehow live and get along with our neighbors rather than this is our enemy and we need to somehow, I don't know, overcome them or defeat them. I don't and think that'll get Armenians anywhere.
0: To bring this conversation up to date um for many years i also spoke on the idea that all these turkish goods are coming to armenia and they're a major part of the economy and having them come by way of a third country is very detrimental and just causes extra hardship on the common person of armenia however Mm. as of two months ago uh turkish products are now banned in armenia so here comes more serious hardship all the uh the wow. um yeah. affordable you know easily
1: available products are gone it, uh, and and then so what do you get in return for that right what you get is i guess more nationalism which is mm. not it, it, i mean this is just this it's so similar to what happens in every other country that nationalism takes over it gives you a libidinal pleasure from hating your enemy, but it takes away all of the resources. It takes away all of your material possessions. That's what uh, xenophobia and nationalism has done in America since nine eleven, And that's what it will do in Armenia uh, if it is allowed to become the dominant defining characteristic of Armenian foreign policy. It's just not going to get them anywhere good,
0: I don't yeah, think. Yeah. yeah. And I think both you and I would agree that there is no way to a prosperous armenia without open borders towards all of its neighbors and open trade and open communication in all directions so um
1: right and and and, and the first step is just very basic stop vilifying the other we're all human beings we're all living under the same systems uh and,
0: I often have to remind that it was not Armenia that closed the border with Turkey. It was Turkey that closed the border and maintains a closed border for the last 30-plus years. So, um, No,
1: absolutely. Uh, uh, of course. And and, uh, uh, and and they did that in response to, I believe, the invasion of... Yeah. Uh, yeah. In
0: particular, it was the invasion of Kelbaja region, which now has been returned to Azerbaijan. And so mm. they don't have that initial criteria for um,
1: you know. You know, but, that's interesting. Like that, that initial cause for the border to be closed. Now that it's returned, it's interesting that the result has been even right. fewer good. Because Turkey <laughs> has its changed.
0: Uh, Turkey has its own uh, set of nationalists that are now coming up with new justifications right. for keeping the border closed now. Right, right. Now that yeah. the
1: situation is developed, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah so, yeah.
0: Um, the uh, the other thing that we might want to talk a little bit more about was we kind of discussed this. What what I like to term the uh, the Chomsky doctrine, but the idea mm. that um, you should be criticizing more the society that you are a part of than mm-hmm. other societies that have, you know, I'm sure all, all sorts of issues and problem problematic behavior and so forth. Um, mm-hmm. We often speak about why that is so, why that's a necessity, being that since you are part of that society, you have a voice in it, you have a, a say, you participate in that and can make change. Whereas an enemy society or even a society that's not an enemy, but you're not a part of, you have right. no say in, you can't affect, you can't right. change much about. How do you feel about that? And what would you add to that idea?
1: I, I would add also, like, I don't identify with Turkish society. I haven't been exposed to it. I haven't grown up in it. I don't know the language. I don't know really very much about it. I mean, what's uh, I, I don't even feel comfortable saying too much about Turkish culture or society because I'm just ignorant of it. But I do identify with and have grown up with uh, uh, Armenian society and 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 culture uh, in the diaspora in its own particular form. But I also lived in Armenia for a few years, and and even uh, growing up in the U.S., I was always involved in Armenian. Uh, uh, Armenian groups, Armenian clubs in, in, in high school and in the ASA. And I would and just undergrad. like to add, because
0: most people Is won't recognize she, yes. what you're saying, but you lived in Armenia as an adult. You're not yes, talking yes, about living there as a child. You lived yeah. there as an adult.
1: Right. Between like uh, 2015 and 2017. Right. R- uh, roughly. So it's um it, so... Like I've been, I identify with all of that. That is my life. It's a large part of my life. It makes me who I am, uh, but I also, um, so I, uh, but I'm also sort of uh, uh, critical of all those things. I, I love it, but I'm also critical of it because I don't want the parts of Armenian society and culture that I value to sort of be swallowed up by nationalism. And and to have our defining characteristic uh, uh, be, uh, be be defined in, in such a, you know, in a way that necessitates that you have an antagonistic relationship with other, other nations, other peoples. I don't, I just, it, it just, uh, 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 I, I don't think that's something that, I, at least that I don't align with Armenian values or Armenian culture. That's not the part that I like
0: yeah yeah i agree i definitely agree Mm -hmm. um anything further you feel like we should be adding
1: no i i think we covered all the major bases thanks for thanks for having me on
0: my pleasure and uh, i'm sure we'll do more as things develop and new topics keep coming up and um having your perspective, I think, will be very useful. As this is you-
1: a great conversation, and and uh, thanks for having me on. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. All right.